was going to be a complete and utter banana skin for Manchester United. Turned out to be just that. Now, I watched that game uh, for you folks, so you didn't have to. It was a pretty average game. Absolute howler from De Gea uh, just after the second half. Because it was kind of even the first half. You could just see that the only way that um, Watford were going to get a goal was by, like, banging it long and putting someone's head on it, like Deeney's um, head on it and break it down and getting a goal and so on. Um, but it was absolutely terrible goal to give away so that was in the 50th minute 1-0 uh, Sarah scored that goal and then a penalty which was uh, it was a penalty it was definitely a penalty um, even the United players it was um, the, the, the lad from I just uh, Masaka he was running back took down um, I don't know it was Dean was on, on the run the goal and Dean converted from the penalty absolutely just hammered at home so it was great so Watford Watford now after just the, the worst ever start to any season in the football league for them they've won okay they've won so they're actually level on points now with Norwich Norwich are in a pretty much of a bad way right now so folks uh, moving quickly on because again it's in the it's almost 70 minutes gone 69 minutes gone in that uh, Spurs and Chelsea game a few little football headlines for you to uh, run around um, while we're waiting for Andrew Flynn to get on the line okay big 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 one big one uh, of course this week which we broke we broke two days actually two and a half days three days almost before it actually uh, came out it was double end broke it for us um, uh, Ancelotti, Carlo Ancelotti, the just a multi-titled coach, just like one of the best, most titled coaches in the world. A man who has basically won everything, everywhere, has been absolutely brilliant. Um, of course, he's he's everywhere he's gone. We we spoke with this couple of weeks ago. Everywhere he's gone, he has won. He is just absolutely fabulous. He has signed now. Uh, it's a two and a half. Well, we believe two and a half years plus another year extension. He has signed with Everton. Okay, so he's signed with Everton. Now remember. Everywhere he's gone, he has won. But as a player, he's won a Serie A with... Uh, he's won Serie A, the English... Uh, sorry, the Italian top flight with uh, Rome and with Milan. He won the European Cup, of course, twice with Milan uh, in the late 80s. At that really, actually, dominant side with the, the Dutch Masters in it. Um, he won the Intercontinental, Intercontinental Cup. This is what he... Now it's called the World Club Cup, which, of course, Liverpool won at his past... Uh, uh, yes, I should say. Um, and then, of course, he finished third in the 1990 World Cup. If you remember that, they beat England. Okay, That was a very, very good England team, but they were short, of course, Paul Gascoigne, who, unfortunately, due to uh, the yellow card he got in the semi-final against Germany, he missed out then on the final, or on, on the third place playoff. Um, as a manager, he's he won with Juventus. He won well the kind of the what was called then the Intertoto Cup. Um, with Milan, he won Serie A. He won the Coppa Italia. He won the Champions League twice. Uh, he won the again and the, the World Club Cup back in two thousand and seven. With Chelsea, he won the Premier League in two thousand nine, two thousand and ten, and that year they did a double. Okay, they did a double. So this is like this shows the quality of the man. He came into the club first, you know, gave a charge. He wins the uh, first um, trophy. He gets is the the community shield the charity shield um, and so on so he moves into Paris Saint-Germain and he wins Liga in 2012-2013 goes to Real Madrid now okay they judge it by if they win uh, La Liga the top flight there is it worth it and like that's the, the measure of the coaches there people look at it in different ways they won a couple Del Rey and of course he won the Champions League the same year in 2013 and 14 and again he won the FIFA World Club Cup so there you got three um, then he goes to Germany 2016 uh, 17 he wins the Bundesliga and he wins the Super Cup twice so that's of course the game between the, the Pokal or the German Cup winners and the German League winners so there you go 
He's been Serie A coach twice, uh, a year coach of the year twice. He's been World Coach of the Year. He's in the AS Roma Hall of Fame and the AC Milan Hall of Fame. So this is a guy who has who has done everything, and he's gone to Everton now. Quick inside story on this. Going to Everton, what they've said is they are de- right down the bottom of the table right now. They are struggling. They are struggling to try and survive. Um, I mean, this is this is a bad time for Everton, okay? They drew yesterday with Arsenal, we know that. That was, um, it was a good point for Everton, but it was a dreadful, dreadful two-point drop for Arsenal. Um, and Arsenal, of course, sitting in 11th place, so they, they had to move up with their new coach, who will, I'll speak with in just a moment. But the Everton coach, okay, Carlo Mancilotti, the master, He's now, he's, he's only four points outside. Yeah, four points outside the relegation zone. He's down there with the likes of Bournemouth. He's down there you know, with, with West Ham and Southampton. You know, he's got Brighton Hovagen just ahead of him. Crystal Palace just ahead of him. This is, this is not good. This is not good for Everton. A club of that size, as I mentioned last week, I remember them being a terrific, a, like a, a great side with great players, a, a team to be proud of, like winning leagues, winning cups, being very competitive in Europe having players from the Irish national team, Scots national team, Welsh and English. So these are, this is like a, 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 a how can you say, this is just a, a super club that are just waiting to to take off. So is Ancelotti someone for the future? Probably not. He's probably not going to be someone who's going to be there in, well, maybe five, not even five years time, not even 10 years time. Like he's not going to be there in two years time, but he's enough to get them moving back up the table, get them competitive. You know, get a bit of brand recognition for them, so they get some good players then uh, in 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 the off season. So that's that's what we're we're looking at then from uh, Ancelotti. Um, just a quick up in that seventy three minutes gone, and it's Spurs still losing two 0 to Chelsea. So that is a beaten ticket. That's Spurs going to drop that one. Um, <clears throat> West Ham, of course, they were meant to play Liverpool, but the game was uh, postponed because Liverpool won the World Club Cup. Now, moving across uh, London from West Ham from Spurs from Chelsea to Arsenal and Arsenal have signed Mikael Arteta now Arteta most people would know him as an Everton player well I, I would know him more as an, uh, an Everton player many people now younger generation say oh he's always been Arsenal 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 yes he finished his career at Arsenal um, that is that is definitely for sure and then he moved to Man City as an assistant so he's there been an assistant to, to Pep Guardiola now Man City are a little bit annoyed because he said they only found out about this fixture, or sorry, this transfer, um, basically when um, they read it on social media. Now, if that's true, okay, that's 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 bad for Arteta. That is very, very bad for Arteta. But most likely, most likely, I think what we can probably see is that the deal was being done. Man City were trying to, you know, keep them quiet. And Arteta said, he said very, very clearly that, um, you know, if he wasn't given... A, a, like an agreement if he wasn't uh, confirmed that he would be Pep Guardiola's uh, successor then he was gone he's out he's out of there um, was that the case? well could have been Like I mean we really don't know I mean it was it, it, it's a strange one but Mikel Arteta uh, of course uh, as we uh, as, excuse me as I've already said he's he's done very very well at all the clubs he's been at he's always been a very tough strong player uh, a product of Barcelona but was always kind of overlooked from Spain but then again there was such a high quality of players coming through Spain during his time he was very unlucky he, he kind of was the same kind of players Pep Guardiola and there were a lot of players in that position who uh, like Javi and so on that you know also didn't break through um, so anyway uh, he is now uh, in charge at Arsenal Arsenal drew yesterday we saw that um, I mean 
Freddie Lundberg was very, very distraught yesterday after the game. He basically said, like, we, we, we wanted to go out and put on a better show than last week. We wanted to go out and to put on a good show and to do well. But you know what? I think Fre- Freddie, Freddie's limitations are quite visible and he's a good number two or a good assistant. So he's been told um, by Arsenal that he can stay at the club if he wishes, uh, that he won't be moved out, he won't be fired. So that's good for him. But at the same time, um, you know, I think it's it's a little bit... I don't know. It's a bit unfortunate for him, the, the, the fact that, you know, he, he has had nothing to work with, really. I mean, there's a lot of players there in that Arsenal dressing room that really should be moved on quite a long time ago. So, you know, that's that's, that's the way it goes. Um, OK, we're still waiting for Andrew Fletcher to grab him on the line, but we will quite soon. So you'll just have to endure me for just a little bit longer. So, uh, some other results, of course, from yesterday. There was, you know, there were quite a few games that... Well, for me, were were interesting yesterday because I think it just showed the the uh, how would you say um, it just showed what's going on in the English Premier League right now. Because if I I, I watched uh, the Leicester City game, uh, Leicester City against Man City in uh, at Man City, Man City, I don't know. They just they, they they're playing like a different team. They're a, a level above everybody else, but of course not a level above Liverpool. Leicester City, Jamie Vardy, my God. I mean, the man has, he's always been slim, but he's slimmed down a little bit more. He just has such an engine. Now, no questions asked on this because no matter what you put into yourself, you still have to have the desire and the intelligence and the ability and the guts and the courage to to keep doing that. But, you know, watching him play yesterday, he was up and down the line. He, uh, you know, just absolutely phenomenal player. Um, now, unfortunately, they were on the wrong side of a 3-1 scoreline, but... Uh, Leicester, I mean, they're not done yet. I mean, I know that people say, ah, like, that's it, they're done now. Like, it's it's all over for poor Leicester. They had a chance. Not really. You know, they're, they're not going to win the league, but there's a great chance they're going to finish second, OK? They're still a point ahead of City, OK? Both of them have, in the last, say, five games, uh, they're both the same. One, three, drawn one, lost one. So they're both on the same kind of pegging. Um, but if you were to ask me on yesterday's performance, who's the most stable kind of team? Leicester, a team who are going to go out and beat the lower down teams Man City I just I, I don't see it and if Dimitri Darunas is listening to me right now Dimitri I'm sorry I just I just have these doubts about Pep Guardiola I don't know if, he, if, if, if he's the right man right now for, for the job okay um, elsewhere elsewhere in England of course a few little bits of gossip okay so I'll start off uh, yesterday there were quite a few interesting stories okay this is one that uh, was surprising me um, the well I said Man City were shocked by the, uh, the, um, the move of Arteta uh, because he said defender on TV and social media. And now they're also saying that um, uh, Leroy Sané, the German international, um, the 23-year-old, he wants to go to Bayern Munich. Okay? So Man City are like they're starting to hemorrhage players. This is what I mean when I'm speaking to Dimitri. This is what I mean. There's, there's a little bit of, I don't know, upheaval there at the moment. Um, Paul Pogba, of course, he made his return to action today in that Man, uh, Man United game long awaited um, he was okay didn't do too much but you know he's only on for a, a short wee while and remember he's still only 26 but he, he his, his agent is saying he wants to stay united that's because that's because he wanted to be reunited um, with uh, what you call him uh, or to bring back or to put him with uh, Zidane Zidane in Real Madrid, uh, Real Madrid that didn't work out so now he's stuck and no one wants him because he's, he's, it's too much money to get him in um, and United said that they're not going to um you know, use him as a kind of a make weight night deal. So instead of just getting just cash in, or sorry, instead of getting a player with cash in, they just want cash for Pogba if he's going to go. Okay. Um, now, now, this is the uh, issue again with Man City is that there are big questions over 
how Pep Guardiola is going to do in the transfer window. Is he going to be allowed to, to you know, move people around? Big questions on that. Oli Gullar-Solskjaer, with that loss today, that 2-0 loss today with Watford, um, huge questions being asked about him. We'll, we'll check with Andrew Flint with that because this is, this is bad for my new fans. Really, really dif- difficult. Um, they're hoping to get in uh, re- reinforcements in the winter. Um, Jaden Sancho, of course, we've spoken about him. £120 million. Pounds, okay? I know you're going to work it out in rubles. It's a lot of money. £120 million. Pounds. Um, let's put it this way. It's 120 apartments in downtown Moscow. There you go. Um, you'd be a very big landlord. So uh, the Dortmund player, he is most likely going to go to Chelsea. That's what they're kind of saying at the moment because United and Liverpool want him. United need this kind of player as well to, to, to lift them up, to get them back into that top level. But they need to get rid of Pogba first. So they're not going to get rid of him and not get the money in. Okay, um, and uh, I mean, they're, they're, they keep saying that, like, you know, Mina Raiola, the, the, the super coach, she's also Pogba's coach, they want to get Haaland in. But what's being said now behind the scenes is that Raiola said that keep Pogba, bring in Haaland, and we'll make a super team. This will be a great midfield, great side, blah, 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 blah. I don't know about that. Um, Christian Eriksen, okay, uh, mentioned that he. he uh, says that he doesn't want, his agent has said, sorry, that he doesn't want to go to Manchester United in the January win, uh, the transfer window. If that's true, it's I think it's bad for him because he's going to be moved on. I think he's lost that little bit of uh, energy for Spurs. Uh, so I think United will be good for him. But then again, United do seem like, both, both Manchester clubs seem to be in a little bit of a wobble at the moment. Um, Chris Wilder, of course, the uh, head coach, the head manager, or the manager even of uh, Sheffield. Sheffield on a great run right now. They're up in fifth place. So they're actually in a Champions League place. Uh, they're doing very, very well. Again, they're on the same kind of like par as uh, Leicester Man City. They've won three, uh, drawn one, lost one of the last five games. So they're really, they're motoring along. However, they do need players. They are struggling right now for players um, because no matter what, they need to try and get some some young guys in, like some some fresh legs in, because as well as they play, they play a lovely defensive game, uh, very strong, very very tough. They they work very very well together. I mean, it's very hard to to break them down and to get through their defence. However, at the same time, I don't know. It's it, I don't know. It's 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 going to be very very tough for them to to um, let's just say keep up that pace because no matter what, they still are a small club. They still are. You know, kind of uh, overlooked by most of the big players who are going to move around uh, this winter time. So, going to be tough for them, but fingers crossed that they can keep it going because they're they, they're a very very nice team to watch. Okay, a quick check on that uh, Spurs and Chelsea game. Eighty-one minutes, and it's still two 0 to Chelsea. So, uh, I mean, Spurs. But I mean, I know Isil Cody. If she won't be listening to us because she was at boxing last night, the Daniel Dubois fight, that absolute mismatch of a fight. Uh, she'll be she'll be upset with this because she did think that Marina was going to be the man to. Um, Lift the fortune of her beloved Spurs, but I don't think so. So sorry for that. Uh, another quick one from yesterday: Newcastle, Newcastle, uh, getting a win against Crystal Palace. Now that was the first time Steve Bruce, I think, in eight appearances, has beaten Roy Hodgson. Uh, the goal was scored by Almiron, who hadn't scored. I think it was 26 games uh, since he moved to Newcastle, so it was great for him to score. Okay, folks, we're going to wait the break right now because we're we're on early. We're going to uh, keep this going. We have a great song to play out of. We have um, the Chainsmokers and Coldplay. So this is a real, real Premier League song. It's one you're going to love. It's one you're going to enjoy. This is something like this. Back after the break, and we'll be with Lejic Mileski. Been reading 
books of old, the legends and the myths, Achilles and his gold, Hercules and his gifts, and Spider-Man's control, and Batman with his fist. And clearly I don't see myself upon that list. But she said, where'd you wanna go? How much you wanna risk? I'm not looking for somebody with some superhuman gifts Some superhero, some fairy tale bliss Just something I can turn to, somebody I can kiss I want something just like this Do you do
Начинай свой день с Capital FM и Тиной Майлд, где бы ты ни был. Даже в душе. Каждое утро на 105 и 3 FM. Снова с 7 утра. Okay, welcome back, folks. I hope you enjoyed that little, uh, let's just say, this little interlude from Copay and Jay Spoker. So something like this. Yeah, there's always something like this, and there's always something interesting. But you know what? We're bringing it to you live and out from Navarro's and Terrace. So I'm Alan Moore. This, this, and by the way, the next out is going to be one to get you moving. I'm telling you, it's going to be... It'll get your rhythm, it'll get your dancing feet definitely going, so don't you worry about it. Okay, we're going to go straight out to, uh, not out to Chimene this time, we're going to go to Manchester. Andrew Flint, can you hear us loud and clear? Andrew Flint? How are you doing? Very good. Listen, you need to talk up because we'll make sure we're going to hear you loud and clear because we love to sound your voice. Uh, listen, it's uh, almost over in that game. Chelsea uh, beating Spurs 2-0. Um, it's, it's, not a, it's not been a good time for Jose or Jose with his old clubs, has it? Yeah. No, it hasn't. Um, and I'll be honest, this has been a very, very easy game, really, for Chelsea. And I mean, there was a red card to Hung Min Son, which, which which came after both goals for Chelsea already, though. So you can't blame the red card. Um, Josie's got he's got a lot to do. Listen, um, we're, we're we're talking about like what's going on, and we're looking say with like uh, Ericsson and so on, like Ericsson looking to go in in the January break or maybe not going. Um, where does he need to strengthen in that side? Like, where does he need to buy mm. to make his Spurs team competitive? Well, this is going to sound a bit controversial, but I actually think up front, Harry Kane is absolutely nailed on to start every single game. But to play Harry Kane, you need to play players who will provide him. Um, Spurs don't seem to have much of another option for um, a setup without him, you know, with more pace, perhaps, um, with more rotation. So I would even consider, uh, you know, a young, hungry, versatile forward who could deputise for Harry Kane as the, as the number nine. I'm not sure who would be available in January, and Jose probably wouldn't want to, um, given the slim pickings you usually get in the winter break. But I actually think up front they need something. Who, who, who could you think? Like, who, like, the, like, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I mean, I don't, there's not that much talent out there that you could buy in uh, that's either worthwhile or that can come into, let's say, Daniel Levy, who's the uh, Spurs owner. Um, it doesn't come into his kind of price range. So, I mean, who would you reckon that they might get? I mean, could, could they get someone from the continent? Could they, you know, pick up someone in the Premier League? Is there somebody in the Premier League that they can get in on the, well, relative cheap? Yeah, okay. We'll try to get Andrew back after in just one moment. So, uh, basically, again, that game is finishing up right now. I mean, it's it, it was finished up. It's in the ninety uh, first minute. So, uh, one minute of injury time uh, being played right now. So, I mean, it's it's a tough old start for Jose Mourinho because now he's going to face into a, a very tough winter break where he has to try and get um, he has to try and get somebody in and get them in very very quick uh, to to. Um, you know, to, to, to make them a, a competitive team again. Andrew, you're back with us, I believe. Andrew, you're back. Andrew Flint. Hello. Yeah. Okay, Andrew. Yeah, you just dropped there for a moment. Um, I just was asking, who do you think uh, might be worth a bit of a, a gamble uh, this uh, January for, for Mourinho and Spurs? 
Well, if they were to if they were to gamble, I think they would need to be quite creative with their targets. Um, and and I would look to outside the the obvious league. I'd look possibly at um, this young German striker that Red Bull Salzburg have, Karim Adebay. He's really really highly rated, extremely quick. Um, and you know, at his price range, I would imagine he'd be available for around 15, 20 million or so. Um, that's that's the sort of signing I think they ought to make. Well, that's the kind of one that Spurs usually would would be appreciative of of someone that they could bring in on, as you said, on the cheap. Uh, we just uh, Andrew has just dropped off there right now. We will get it back on in a moment. It is one of the things that Spurs want to see. They'd like to make bargains. They'd like to get players in on the cheap, and it's not always a. A good thing to do, like you know, when when you are trying to uh, build a club, because remember, this is a team that was in last year's uh, Champions League final. So this is a team that really shouldn't have to be looking for bargain basement. Um, Andrew, just I was just saying there to the listeners that the, this is not a club that should be looking for bargain basement strikers. They should be going out and getting the top players because I mean, one year ago, less than a year ago, just a few months ago, in the start of the summer, they were in the Champions League final. Andrew, so what's gone so wrong for them? Uh, I, I think time's catching up with them. I think they did extremely well. They overborne massively to get to the Champions League final. And people have to remember, they were within minutes of not even getting out of the group stage. But, you know, a, a reasonable draw, um, decent performances on the night in their knockout games, they got to the final. Um, so I, I think, really, the squad, the additions they made with Ndombele and Giovanni Lotelso, they just haven't really paid off yet. And you need patience with foreign players. Sometimes they need longer to adapt to a different team. Um, time is one thing, but it's it's worrying really with the debt that will be piling up with a new stadium. So uh, I, I'm not entirely sure who they will be able to get in the winter realistically. Listen, just uh, what to, to step back to yesterday and not to Premier League, just the World Club uh, Cup. Um, Liverpool, of course, they beat Flamengo in Brazil one um, nil. Are, are Liverpool truly the number one club in the world? Like, I mean, like, uh, is that a fair fair thing to say? Oh, God, I wish you hadn't asked me that question, Alan, because um, with my heart, I want to say no, but with my head, I have to say, with the entire setup they have, the scouting, the backing that the manager gets, the manager, the way they've all bought into the same ethos, I have to say, I think they are. Um, I mean, you look at um, the traditional titans of European football, and Bayern Munich, are, you know, they've got a new manager, you've got Real Madrid, Barcelona, they are... They've got a turnover of players they need to make. Liverpool, they look very well set for the future. And I don't see many players um, turning Liverpool down from now on. Um, they used to be a second-tier team. Now they are, I would say, they are the best side in the world. OK, that is fair enough. And I mean, it's something that... Um, I just wanted to bring one thing up that kind of stuck in my craw, as you say, or stuck in my throat a little bit. Uh, this is related to um, the... Uh, Let's just say, no, I'm just going to say English media, their view on the FIFA World Club Cup. They just like ran it down. They said it's useless. Mm. Why should the team be going there to play and so on? Um, and they say no one takes it seriously. But I'm looking at the teams from Europe. I mean, Bayern Munich and um, Real Madrid, Barcelona, they take it damn seriously. So, you know, is it maybe sort of this kind of... Um, the English Premier League is the best? We Because remember, I, I'm remembering back to when mm. United were... Um, given a buy in the third round of the FA Cup in order to go play, uh, I think it was in uh, Japan, wasn't it? In the in the in the World Club in, Cup in at the Brazil. time. In Brazil, excuse me, in Brazil. Um, I mean, 
like, can you explain that for me? Like, why there is that kind of a bit of snobbery around this World Club Cup? And, it's, and I'm not relating it to Qatar or to, it could be anywhere in the world, but why is there that kind of bit of a looking down their nose at this competition? Yeah. Well, it's, it's definitely snobbery. That's certainly the word I would use. Um, it is quite strange. And I think, I, I'd say it's two things. I think probably it is an overhang of, well, I'd say decades of arrogance of English football apparently being the best. Um, some English teams have been absolutely phenomenal in their time. And like I said, I think Liverpool are the best side in the world. But um, there's that, there's, that's the first part. The second part, I'd say, possibly is the way that English football treats winter football. Um, I, I'm not sure many leagues in the world actually pile on more fixtures over the winter break. Um, and I think it's just the attitude of domestic football is given so much prominence. A lot of European sides, Real Madrid in particular, pay so much prominence to the number of European trophies they have. And anything outside their own domestic league in England seems to be less important. Um, I think steps are being made in the right direction to having this staggered, well, one-week winter break that we're going to have um, in January and that's a positive step but I think the attitudes do need to change because it is a very worthwhile trophy to win I say No, I agree I agree listen Andrew we're going to go away at the moment one quick uh, question um, because we're going to go to, to uh, Lejik Muleski who's waiting for us on the line um, a quick question Andrew um, Mr Slutsky is he the right man for Rubin? You know what? I think he is. Uh, I think he is because he's so well respected, but he he doesn't play such a rigid type of football that um, Gurban Badev played, for example. Um, he's been given a good long contract, and there were some interesting young players in their squad, so I think he's got a lot to work with. Um, but the pressure is on. He's got to perform. Um, Rubin could slip into the relegation battle if he's not careful, but I do think he's the right man. Um, they couldn't have got money, anybody better, really. Listen, that's that's all we need to know. Listen, Andrew, thank you very much. I know you'll be back with us at the end of the show to give us your tips for, for the coming festive football season. So, uh, and you'll tell us more about where you are as well at the, at the in part six. Okay, thanks, Andrew. Okay, that was Andrew Flint. Uh, and we will be back, of course, with him in part six. Right now, we're just going to wait until uh, Lejek Milewski is on the line, of course, the uh, super, super duper uh, Polish journalist. Um, he, we're, we're hoping, he, we're waiting for him to actually get back on the line with us because he was covering football there today. Um, before we do, then that game has finished, of course, 2 0 uh, to. The, well, I mean, it's disappointing for, for Spurs, but I mean, that's the way it is. Um, and that's what they have to put up with. So 2-0, that full-time result there, uh, Chelsea and Spurs. Now, we have the leading, and I say leading because it is true, the leading Polish sports journalist, Leszek Milewski on the line. Can you hear me loud and clear? Hello, Alan. I hear you loud and clear. Thank you for having me. Listen, that is great. And listen, I, I always you all, like from from your tweets to your work. You always fill me with just I don't know. Like your insights are just they they make me smile and they make me actually they lift my mood. And we need this at Christmas time. We need that. Um, so um, great to have you on. I mean, I've wanted to get you on for quite some time, but now you're here. And I want to ask. Um, <clears throat> From from me, the first real Polish player I really, really, truly saw uh, and appreciated. Now, it was Dana, Kazimierz Dana. Is that correct, or I'm saying it wrong? Yes, yes, sure. He's an absolute legend. Although he was called a prince of the night oh. because it wasn't the kind of a player like Lewandowski who keeps his diet and <laughs> things like that. He was well. 
Well, he liked to go visit clubs. He liked to go uh, spend night at the town. <laughs> but even though when he finished very late his clubbing and he started playing, uh, he was always top. He was always absolutely top. So yes, Dana. Dana was an interesting player, great, great player, and an interesting character. Yeah, I and mean, he died very, very young. I think was he? Did he die in a car crash? Was that, was that right? If if I'm right, or yeah. um, a car crash? Yeah. Hello. Okay, we're just going to get uh, we're going to get Leslie back on right now. So he is as we're trying to get it back on the line. So Casimir Dana, just so you know, he was this absolute wonderful playmaker. Um, and I, I, I was just asking, what, was he killed in in a car crash, uh, Leszek? Yes, he died in a car crash in USA. So it was a big uh, tragedy, really. Uh, although you know he had quite troubles in uh, with his family and such. So. He was a fantastic player, but you know how it can sometimes be with fantastic players. They don't, they are too, they are a little bit too artistic. Yes. Uh, in, in their lives. So that was quite, uh, quite a story of Dana. I mean, I remember him, um, like how, why I said that, and I'm sorry, we'll move quickly away from this, is it's Christmas time. And mm-hmm. for me, the favorite Christmas movie in Ireland is Escape to Victory about the uh, Allied soldiers of, course, of war. Of course. And he, he was in that. So I remember like, Dana yes, from Poland. So absolutely. I immediately, like, so that was like 78, 79, or whatever it was. And I immediately started, right, I'm going to follow this player. And then also he, he, he died quite young. And I was like, oh, you know, I, I always kind of wanted to see him play because he was quite famous. But okay, mm-hmm. um, Polish football, um, for me, I always thought they were a very strong side. They played Ireland a lot of times. Um, and there was always that link between Ireland and Poland. But now looking at the way Polish mm-hmm. football has gone on, they, they disappointed me here in Russia last year in the World Cup. But you have an absolutely fabulous team right now. And I, uh, we've been tipping them here as uh, dark horses to go very, very far in the Euros next year. Well, I disagree with you. Just we have a... Hello, Alan. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. I hear you loud clear. I disagree with you that we have a fabulous team. We have a fabulous player in Lewandowski. We have an upgraded Krychowiak who really is has started playing for national team like he's playing for Lokomotiv, so he's doing really fine. But players like Glick, who, who kept defense in his... Uh, he was pulling all the strings in defense. He really uh, is... It's much worse than, let's say, uh, during Euro 2016, which was Ooh. the best tournament for Poles in decades. And so uh, this is a team that has uh, like few uh, really big names, yeah. but also a lot, a lot of like holes in this squad. You know, right. we are playing Groszycki on the left side. Yeah. Uh, we don't really know. Uh, Groszycki is a nice player, but he's a player from Championship, from not the best team in Championship. He's playing with um, and also it... he's. he's He's just getting older and older, and we have absolutely no one better than him right now. Well, we I mean, don't I'm... know who should play next to Krychowiak. We have trouble on the left side of defense. We have trouble on the right side of defense. So, really, this team might look from outside as a good side, but we have troubles, troubles, and troubles. Oh, God. Okay. Uh, I hope, though, that Lewandowski is too good of a player to not have a, like a spectacular tournament in his career. Yes. So far... Uh, he was playing really good for Poland during qualifiers, but never in tournaments. Maybe this will be this moment when he will like astonish everyone. 
But he's he's at that age now that this will be this could be his last. Like it, 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 he could still get. He looks after himself. He could still get to uh, Qatar World Cup in twenty twenty two. But this is he's at the right age. He's 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 still going to be thirty one when he plays in the Euros this year. So it'd be good for him. Um, looking at the, there's a lot of very. There, we'll just get uh, Leslie just back. He just dropped just for one moment. But we'll get him back on in just a moment because of course we noticed a lot of Polish players. He mentioned one of them, uh, Krychowiak. Uh, Gregor, who is here. Um, uh, Leszek, oh. I was just saying that there's a lot of players here playing yes. very well in the Russian league. I want yes. them, um, Shimanski, uh, uh, Sebastian. I've seen him play this year and he is just phenomenal. I, uh, like he's at the end of Moscow, but for me, he could play Sh- anywhere. Shimansky. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. brilliant. Shimanski is the biggest hope of Polish football right now, really. We are putting the, our money on the fact that Szymanski will grow into like some kind of spectacular footballer because so far he, he's showing he's showing a potential, but uh, we really need him to make uh, instant impact. We really need him to be uh, a big player during uh, Euro 2020 because we really don't have a better player right now on the uh, offense on the midfield. Yeah, I mean, I've I've seen him play, and and I, and I just think he's this lovely, and he's still only be twenty one when the championships come around. So he's just like yes. lovely, talented young player. Um, mm-hmm. But what what one more? Like I'm I'm going to ask you, about, of course, Moscow players because we that's we're in Moscow, and mm-hmm. one from Lokomotiv, uh, Matsy Ributz, because uh, a couple of years ago he was very instrumental in Loco winning the league. He seems to have lost maybe a bit of pace or maybe a bit of confidence. Do you think that maybe he could be the um, he could be the solution uh, if he because he's still only thirty years old if he plays at left back maybe for for Poland? The problem is that uh, he had some issues with uh, Jerzy Brzęczek, Polish national team uh, ah. coach. So so they really didn't get along too well. There was this situation once that. Uh, when uh, Brzęczek was really counting on him and Rebus went went to Moscow, said that he then had an injury and he played like two days after he came back from uh, oh, from national team. So yeah. he didn't play for national team, played for locomotive. Brzęczek was really mad about him, uh, mad about it. And uh, usually Rebus was like uh, always on the bench or playing like five minutes and literally Brzęczek would rather pick himself in the squad than Rebus. Oh my they gosh. Fresh start lately. <laughs> so, Brzęczek uh, went to Moscow, they spent some time, they, uh, they, they started from, from the scratch. And Rebus got, a, got really, uh, started, uh, started a game, uh-huh. but he played awful. He played awful. Well, okay. Right now, Arkadiusz Reza from SPAL, from Italian SPAL, is much closer to being uh, our uh, first team left back. And he is really nothing special. He's an okay player, but you know, it's, it's, it's it's like there are men like Reza, Rebus in form, Rebus uh, in top-notch form could could really make a difference sometimes. I think so. He can attack and defend, but but this is really not a case. Uh, I right now, Rebus needs, I, I think, miracle to to play. <laughs> okay, our, our, our locomotive fans will be very happy to hear that, or maybe all happy. <laughs> listen, listen, I'm going to uh, let you go, but listen, have a very very happy Christmas, and uh, we'll talk with you again early in the new year. Thank you so much for your time. Sure, thanks again. Thank you, Leszek. Okay, that was Leszek Mileski, the leading, the leading uh, uh, Polish sports journalist. Now we're going to straight to the break. As I said, you're going to dance. You're going to 
have some rhythm because this is Snap and Rhythm as a Dancer. Back after break with Cos Pandy. Capital Sports with Alan Moore. Только взрывной 
героическое, волшебное, фантастически анимационное зрелище. Чувствуешь дрожь в коленках? Телеканал Фан. Добро пожаловать за границу реальности. Спрашивайте у вашего оператора платного телевидения. Для лиц старше 16 лет. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to our festive capital sports here on Moscow's Capital FM, the number one English language radio station in Russia. And of course, we are the number one English language radio sports show on mainland Europe. So there you go. So uh, we're happy with that and I hope you are too. Okay, as you mentioned earlier on, there are two final places up for grabs in the NFL playoffs. Um, we're going to speak with that with Alex B in just a wee while, but there are some games going on right now. Uh, <clears throat> before we go to Cos Pandy, uh, he's waiting patiently and with great... Um, he's waiting for us on the line. Uh, so basically, the Falcons are home to the Jaguars. So both the teams really go nowhere. The Falcons leading 14-0 against the Falcons. That's uh, just the start of the second period. Uh, sorry, he's salty about that as well. And also, of course, uh, our very, very good friend from Ireland, James. So sorry about that. Um, the start of the second fe- uh, <laughs> uh, quarter. Nil-nil between the Browns and the Ravens. So there you go. That's a nice football score there for you. Nil-nil because the Ravens, of course, they're... they're I was going to say flying. That I'm not doing Alan Partridge. I'm just saying that they are in great form at the moment. So they are flying uh, nil-nil. And the Browns have the ball at the Baltimore 32. And it's first and ten. So they'll move a bit forward and they'll probably kick a field goal. Okay, the Saints. The Saints, they are marching in. They are losing, though, today against the Titans at the Titans. Titans, of course, playing for a playoff place as well. They are leading 14-0. Uh, the Colts up 14-0 against the Panthers as well, the Carolina Panthers. Um, the Bengals, they are losing. The Bengals, of course, who beat the Patriots. That was just like, Bengals are 1-13 on the season. But they're losing 14-0 against the equally awful Miami Dolphins. Dolphins, of course, were tipped to actually be a kind of a team with a bit of an outside chance this year, but they're just truly trash. Uh, the Steelers, who have a up and down season they are losing 10-0 in New York against the Jets uh, and and a great one here second period only or second quarter excuse me second okay American football hockey hockey is periods and quarters in um, American football and halves of course in football right the Giants they are 14 all against the uh, Redskins so that's a battle of two teams that are 3 and 11 so they're going nowhere too fast but you know it's good to see the uh, Redskins Alexander Santos Redskins hanging in there right we're going to go straight away across to the phone to a man who I, I have to say he is probably one of the very very best um, no, he is one of the best sports writers. He has written so much about so many different subjects. Uh, he is just wonderful. He, you can see his writing in many, many places, including Football Italia, Snack Media, Get German Football News, and many, many more, including ESPN. So, Kos Pandy, a very, very welcome uh, to Capital Sports here on Moscow's Capital FM. How are you? I'm very good, Alan. Thanks for having me here. That is brilliant. Listen, Kos, um, kick off right away. Um, United losing today, uh, it, was a, it was a tough loss, but it was one that a lot of people felt that it could happen because just, you know, the, the Watford with a new coach, um, you know, they, they kind of, they're, they're giving it a go. And when you could see the goal like uh, United did with just absolute uh, blunder from David De Gea, it made it a very, very tough struggle then to, to try and get that goal back and to win the game. Yeah, it was pretty disappointing, but even though stuff like this is hardly a surprise these days, 
but United you know, got like they need to break down opposition defenses, but they end up in their fans and nervous breakdown. And I mean, <laughs> United you know, do struggle against teams that sit deep and play in blocks of four. But as Oli said at the game, that it was almost like his testimony in the first. It was so slow and pretty drab. Yeah, and it showed pretty much what United sort of lack and areas that United need additions in. And even though it could have been different if Jesse Lingard had buried that chance in the first half when he was one on one, but it was the individual errors that were there. Even though they cost United the game, but I, I don't think United did enough to say that they deserve something out of it because there was a time after Paul Pogba came on when he was literally instructing the players what to do, and that led to United having about three or four chances on goal, but. All in all, it was just a reflection of where United lack and what they need in January. And the only positive they can take from it is that the January transfer window is just about a week away, and they, the way it played, it just showed that what exactly they need in there. And I just hope that Edward will look at that and says uh, it because the recruitment that they did in the summer was not good enough. It was average, even though. The players they signed are working out, but the way United failed to break down defenses shows that they lack a number ten player in there, so like Bruno Fernandez himself. Yeah, and they also sometimes lack a winger because every single time you see Daniel James, he never really cuts in, and cutting from right wing is one key breaking uh, teams down when they play in blocks of four, but. Yeah, as I said, the only the January transfer window is just coming up, and it wasn't a surprise. Listen, I'm look, looking at United now, and you look at teams who are ahead of them in the table. Um, like, you know, okay, Spurs, we know Spurs are in a bad run, but they they are a, a, a top level team. You've got Wolves, you've got uh, Sheffield United, even Leicester. Um, is this good enough for United? I mean, surely, I mean, the fans should be in in, in massive protest because everything seems to be. Uh, not quite right at the moment in Old Trafford. It's not, but there's a feeling around Old Trafford that it's not entirely all his fault because we saw how uncreative midfield was before Pogba came in, and, and that's that's the only options Ole has. But after Pogba came on, it's not obviously not Ole's fault that he was injured, but he just had an extra option. And when Pogba comes came on, it just showed what United have been lacking. And as the season wears on, and if Pogba stays fit, I think things will improve. But having said that, I don't think they will finish inside the top four. I think Europa League is probably the most fairish shout as things stand. Okay, no, that is fair enough. Look, um, I was going to ask you about the the uh, the other game, of course, today, the Spurs game. But let's 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 move on from that. I just want to ask you a couple, of, like your your take on Ancelotti to Everton. Now, I I mean. I know, and you know, Everton has been a very historically strong club. Um, but do you think that maybe it's yeah. it, it, they, they, they need maybe a younger manager? Or do you think that this is the right guy to sort of, not just steady the ship, but basically to start to build brand Everton back up again? I don't think Ancelotti is ever a player of sorts. He's more, like, he's more been like someone who takes on a team that already has a foundation in there and then takes them to another level to win them trophies. Even though I think Carlo Ancelotti is probably my favorite manager today, <laughs> I don't think it's exactly the right fit. But 
a lot of it shows where I want to go because the signings that they sometimes make in the summer or uh, you know in general they are pretty big name these days and you need a character like Carlo Ancelotti to put a hand arm around the shoulders and make them feel good about things that's what players like Moise Keane need right now and in one way it does make sense but on an overall perspective i don't think it's the perfect uh, appointment i think so Marcelino could have made more sense. Yeah, I mean, well, it's something that we discussed last week, and and we didn't really dig into it. But I've heard so many, um, let's just say, not contradictory, but different points of view on the the, the situation with Moise Keane, where basically uh, Duncan Ferguson sent him on and then took him off in quick time and didn't even look at yeah. him when he was walking down the tunnel. Um, do you think that, like Moise Keane, who's been through a lot in his young life, do you think that maybe Ancelotti is someone who will understand him, will obviously speak the same language, and put that arm around his shoulder? Like, do you think he'll have time for that? I think he should be because the money that Everton spent on him, it's it's pretty pretty high for a club like Everton, even though they kind of do spend fifty million or something on Jelfi Sigurdsson. This this guy is seen. What I think, I mean, he was seen as one of the best young strikers in world football around. April last year, when he scored against AC Milan, but seven goals for UA towards the end of the season when Cristiano Ronaldo was out injured. But a player like that really deserves that sort of treatment. And Carlo Ancelotti is someone who knows how to bring the most out of strikers as well. And Moise Keane is someone, even though Keane has never shown that he can score about 20 goals or 15 goals a season, and I think Keane was pretty much a panic buy. But it's something that Everton really have to get right because the way that, that they have tried to replace Romelu Lukaku, it's been that approach has been pretty poor. Well, they've tried just about this everything. Is it. They've tried. This is it. It's replacing a, a guy who you know you can't replace Lukaku. That's it. Like he he is like just. Like an amazing player. Uh, listen, what the main reason that I was like, I wanted to grab you in was, and I asked a question at the top of the show because, um, a bit, I guess, tongue in cheek. Uh, what do Spurs players, Christian Eriksen and Jan Vertonghen, have in common? And the same with uh, Adam Lalana, Luka Modric, <laughs> Olivier Giroud, Robbie, now you're giggling because you know the inside joke or the inside story. Yeah. And of course, our very own Archum Duba. What have they got in common, guys? Yeah. They're all out of contract in the summer. There you go. So you see all these dirty minds thinking, hmm, 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 what's going on here? It's simply <laughs> they're out of contract. Listen, look at those players. Um, we, we, I was discussing with uh, Andrew Flint uh, earlier on about getting a player in, yeah. uh, like a, a striker uh, for, you know, d- different teams look for strikers, like Wolves, for example, look for a striker and so on to take the load off Harry Kane. Um, Archum Duba, yeah. as you, like, you've seen him play, you know how he plays. He's a big, strong, attacking yeah. centre forward, ideal for the English league. Um, could he be a decent buy for, for uh, Spurs? I think he can be, but I don't think... Because Spurs have tried a lot over the last few years to bring in a second-choice striker for Hurricane. It's never worked out. But it's I, I think Juba is just sort of player who can get the team goals, a lot like what Fernando Lorente did for Spurs, I mean, about five six games last season. But I think Crystal Palace could be one so where he would fit right in. Oh, yes. Because they they have been looking at strikers, but they've constantly failed to sign some. Michibacho, I came in there towards the end of last season, I mean, in January last year. And 
he got about seven or eight goals, and that basically kept them up in the Premier League. Yeah. And if they get a striker like Artem Zuba, I think they can probably become a club which can finish about twelfth or thirteenth in the Premier League. There you go. I mean, I I, I agree with you. I've I've said for a long time that Zuba uh, should should go. To a, a, a club in England, a middle club, because he he could become a hero. He could, as well as making money, he could actually be better as a player. Because here in the league, he is just too good. Like for me, he's just too good of a player. He's a great leader, yeah. but I think that'll it'll help him. It'll it'll develop him. Then again, uh, six months out from the Europeans that Russia's hosting. In St. Petersburg, uh, I don't mm-hmm. know, a, a bit difficult. Um, listen, Cos, uh, a couple of questions for you, for you uh, first. Um, looking at, uh, there was a, a, a sort of a report here in um, in Russian media today, pure nonsense stuff. Uh, Alexei Moranchuk, the midfielder from Lokomotiv, supposedly all these clubs yeah. looking at him and the Manchester United wanted to buy him. His agent came out and said, this is absolute nonsense, please don't listen to this. Um, why would you think, in your opinion, because you, you, you know world football, what would keep a team in England from buying uh, a Russian player, for example, a Russian national team player? Why would they not want to bring one in? I don't think there's any reason for it. But it's more down to what clubs need. Because I think Branchek was linked with them, Serie A clubs as well, about two or three weeks ago, if I'm not wrong. True, you're right, you're I right, you're dead right. Yeah, so I think a lot of it is down to this may be a perception that Russian players can not work out in the Premier League based on how fast it is or how physical it is. I think it's it's a bit of a myth. But Syria is more of most more of that uh, technically, I mean tactically, tactically adeptly, where there's more emphasis on structural defending and players get more of that freedom to play in front of defenses. Yeah, I think that's one league where. A player like Maranchuk will suit very well, more than the Premier League. Okay, just, just very, 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 very quickly uh, before we go away, because we, we've got about a minute. Um, Atalanta handed AC Milan their heaviest ever Serie A loss, a 5-0 win uh, today. Uh, AC Milan are lingering down the bottom half of the table on 21 points. So they're not that far off at least chasing uh, a European spot. You wrote a terrific uh, blog about it, a terrific piece about it. Um, AC Milan are in serious trouble, aren't they? Yeah, somewhat. I mean, they start. It started out when they sacked Marco Giampaolo. It started right then, but a lot of it is not down to the manager that they have. It's more about the ownership and the people that they have making transfer decisions and decisions about sacking the manager. A lot of it is down to them. Uh, do, do you think that the, the club, uh, because I mean, their, their stadium's falling apart, the San Siro, everything's going wrong. Do you think that maybe it's um, they're talking about getting uh, Ibrahimovic, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, in? Do you think that's, that, that, that that's not going to happen? I don't think that's going to happen now. The reports are saying that they are a bit far apart in the valuation because Milan are offering about 6 million euros in the wages and Zlatan wants about 10 or 8. Right. But even otherwise, I think Zlatan is someone they should look at. Initially, they should first look at bringing in uh, a centre-back, which they probably are John Clare in a wide player. And then maybe just maybe if they get the two players, then head over to Zlatan or maybe a striker. That's that's how that's where Milan sometimes go wrong. They don't really have a policy of making transfer decisions properly. Okay, Kospandi, thank you so much for your time today. Um, enjoy the holiday season, and we'll talk to you early in the new year. Thank you so so much for your time. Thanks a lot. It was a, it was a pleasure.
Thank you. Okay, Cos Pandy, of course, very, very, uh, an award-winning writer in every sense because he's just the best of the best. Okay, we're going to go away to the break. We're going to do a bit of yee-hoo because you're going to enjoy this song. It's going to get you dancing in the kitchen. No matter if you're trying to install an OS into your laptop, this is going to be fun for you. This is Mumford & Sons, and I will wait. And I will wait for you because we're coming back with Alex B after the break. Capital Sports with Alan Moore. 